everybody. Welcome to a impromptu edition, solo pod of the Unexpected Points podcast. I am Kevin Cole. It's been a couple of weeks since the last pod, which uh, kind of seems like a lifetime, being that I was doing these a few times a week during the season, uh, at least a couple of times, most of the time here during the Friday Q&A. So at the Combine last week, didn't really have time to do all that stuff. And now we've just had news bomb after news bomb dropping today. Well, one huge news bomb, one like nuclear news bomb dropping with Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag. So I'm going to dig into all that stuff as part of this episode. I'm also going to talk with uh, Brad Spielberger, PFF underscore Brad, later this week, although it might not be until Friday. Uh, to discuss everything free agent, you know, preview everything going on there. So if we talk about Lamar and maybe some of the other quarterback contracts, then it's going to seem like really, really, really old news at that point. Uh, it's going to be hashed and rehashed and three hashed and everything else by that point. So I'm going to try to get to it tonight. My initial takes on this, obviously, we'll learn a lot more in the coming days, but these will be my initial takes now, and then we'll talk to Brad on on Friday about everything else that's going to be going on next week. All right, so let's get into it. Let's get into the the real, you know, where the rubber meets the road here when it comes to what's going on with Lamar Jackson. So there are three different options when it comes to the general tag market. There's the Transition tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag, and the exclusive franchise tag. Uh, Prior to the new CBA, you could actually use the transition tag on one player and the franchise, one of the brands of the franchise tag on another player. Uh, Maybe the Giants could have used that option. (laughs) Honestly, this year, maybe they could have transitioned Daniel Jones and then franchise tagged. Saquon Barkley, but that's not an option anymore. That was taken away as part of the new CBA. I believe 2020 was the last year that that could be done, or maybe it was 2019 was the last year that that could be done. So those are the three different options that the Ravens had here. Obviously, there was no chance they were ever going to put the transition tag on there. You'd get a few million less as far as the amount. Um Rather than it being $32.4 million on the non-exclusive tag, I think it's 29 something So you don't really save much at all using the transition tag. That's why you don't see teams using it. And you don't have the compensation if someone else makes an offer. You can still match every offer, but you don't have the compensation. Now, the only reason to use it, and I thought that it might be an option for Seattle with Geno, but it seems like Geno was pretty agreeable to sign a reasonable deal there. I also thought it might be an option for the Giants with Daniel Jones because it provides some of the benefit to what I think the Ravens are doing here, which is saying we believe we are negotiating up against a wall that is unreasonable or we can't we can't meet it. In this case, we're talking about the fully guaranteed money here. In the case of Daniel Jones, it would have been the number that he wanted, $45 million or whatever that, that he wanted initially. And what the non-exclusive tag does for Jackson is because you presume that there will be at least some team, 
Now, who knows? By the time you know, you, even people listen to this who aren't part of the live stream, maybe every single team in the NFL will have stated that they're out on Lamar Jackson because we've already seen four or five uh, do so. But what it does is it opens up negotiations. So if you can't get through, if you can't chisel away at Lamar's, in your opinion, again, I'm coming from the Ravens side here. If you're thinking Lamar is being a little obstinate, Lamar is looking at the, the Deshaun Watson contract, which does not really exist outside of a free market type of scenario of a free agent type of scenario, which this, which this is not what, what we have to do is rather than continue, rather than, you know, putting the exclusive franchise tag on him, which is going to cost us a lot more, which is going to make it much, much more difficult to tag him multiple times. Like, well, we don't think we're getting anywhere with them. Right. So if you put the exclusive franchise tag on it, we're talking about 45 million ish that you would need for that. Then it goes up by 120%. Then it goes up potentially by 144%. So we're talking about somewhere around $177 million over three years and no cap relief around here. I mean, normally you sign these con- these quarterbacks to big contracts and then you can restructure them. There's like no restructuring option also available here. So the Ravens says, you know, the Ravens said, you know what? We can't go that route. And we're just presuming at this point that Jax is not going to back off with a fully, fully guaranteed contract. And we're also not going to go that route. So they're saying we're not going exclusive because the price is just so high and it'll just kneecap us and all these other things that we want to do to build a competitive team to have to carry that huge number for the next couple of seasons with no flexibility at all. Um, and we don't want to give them the fully guaranteed contract right now. So they're trying this, this third way this in-between way, which is risky, but I think teams should be a little bit riskier uh, when looking at potentially losing out on on a quarterback or doing those sorts of things. So the risky way is they say, we're opening up the market to you. Now we'll see. You think you deserve this contract. We think it's just not something that teams are going to be willing to give to anyone who's not a true, true free agent, which he won't be a true, true free agent here. I mean, the, the first round picks matter, especially for teams drafting up near the top in this draft who uh, may want to draft a quarterback themselves. So you, we, we have a difference of beliefs here. Let's see what feedback we get. And probably from the Ravens perspective, the hope would be either there's an easily matchable sort of offer that they can get. Someone throws an offer out to Lamar that does not include a fully guaranteed contract, which they can match. And Lamar can then decide at that point whether he, you know, whether he thinks that's he's finally going to take it because there was nothing else out, out there in the market. Or if there are no offers, um, Lamar could, of course, become more intractable, decide not to, you know, even sign the franchise tag and go through this whole rigmarole. Um, but at the very least, it probably weakens some leverage from Lamar's side because he can't as credibly demand a certain thing if no one else in the league was willing to give it to him. You know, there's some way there. And again, that's why I thought the transition tag when it came for someone like Daniel Jones, I mean, no one's going to give up two first round picks for Jones and get into some sort of contract bidding war with the Giants. But if you put the transition tag on him, you could have gotten some feedback from the rest of the league and I don't believe anyone in the rest of the league values Daniel Jones the way that the Giants did at this $40 million number. You could have gotten some feedback and maybe used that. 
as part of your negotiating negotiating process. Um, the teams are reticent to do that, and applying the tag to him would have meant they could not apply the franchise tag to Saquon Barkley. So they would have lost out on a very reasonable $10 million price on Barkley uh, being able to keep those two guys at the same time. Uh, just quickly on that, keeping two guys at the same time, this is really the first time we've seen this since 2020, so not that long ago, where it was Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott at the same time. Amari, I believe, signed an extension, a long-term extension. We got a probably the best deal he thought he could get there. Um, the day of the franchise tag window ending, which then freed it up for Dak Prescott to get to get there. But in the case of the Giants, they you know they kind of got hurt on both sides. They gave too big of a contract to uh, Daniel Jones, and now with Saquon, I guess they're, they're not getting hurt by the Saquon thing. But still, they they probably mess up the Jones contract. But I'll get those other contracts first. Let's let's get more into Lamar here. Um, so I think a lot of discussion about Jackson is trying to value him as a player. And it could be a principled thing that the Ravens don't want to give him a fully guaranteed contract. I mean, we haven't seen anything more than the, you know, three-year type of deals with Kirk Cousins and then the Watson contract was a little bit of an outlier there. So it, it could be a principled thing. It could also be more of the fact that Maybe Jackson isn't quite as highly held in opinions um, through the NFL as he is by fans and his fellow players and so on and so forth. Uh, I put out a tweet, which again, never tweet, right? You're just dying to get roasted. And I got roasted, which was, and this is, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, a month ago, something like that, which was... um, Lamar Jackson for the number eight pick. Who says no? Now, <laughs> I got roasted, of course, because everyone was saying that's not nearly enough for Lamar Jackson. And I kind of capitulated to that. And I said, okay, you're right. You're right. Like, okay, that's not enough for Lamar Jackson, the one first round pick. But we've seen the Falcons and others already take themselves out of the market for two first round picks. The number eight pick this 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 year, who could end up being a one of those top quarterbacks, right? Um. So I was probably off in the valuation there, but I think some people's opinions are probably even more off in the other direction where they're thinking the trade compensation for someone like Deshaun Watson would be easily matched by another team, which would be more than even what this non-exclusive franchise tag would require, would be easily matched by another team because Jackson's a better player. Uh, I mean, I know Watson stunk this year. I know Watson had a ton of legal trouble on top of his head. At the same time, and I'm not saying this is right by any stretch of the imagination, anyone who's listened to this podcast for long enough knows I was pretty um, anti-Deshaun Watson and anti-that signing as it happened. But I'll also say that coming off of that 2020 season, no, he didn't play in 2021, of course, but coming off of that 2020 season, Deshaun Watson was probably seen as being the second best, you know, young um like the type of guy you would want to acquire. This is the second best young quarterback in the NFL after Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen had an outstanding 2020. So maybe he would have been there with him also. But remember, that was like the breakout year for Allen where he had struggled at least somewhat the last couple of years before that. 
Jackson had the tremendous 2019, but then he fell off a bit in in 2020. And I just don't think people are as, as into like the Jackson whole package of the rushing quarterback as much as they are into the other guys. So a lot of that sentiment carried over into these Watson negotiations. If we're going to go back a year ago, uh, I mean, I would have been of the opinion. And again, this is how NFL teams think. This is not how I think. NFL teams think, okay, regardless of all the accusations, and it doesn't seem like his teammates are bothered or other NFL players are bothered by these accusations, um, the very credible accusations against Watson here. But as long as we can put that aside and say the suspension will be X, there'll be no jail time, everything else, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think most teams, the majority of teams, would have ranked those, and again, the majority of teams don't care about these uh, accusations as much, would have said, as a pure football sort of thing, Watson over Lamar Jackson. I do believe that's the case. Now, a lot of people are framing their arguments today as if that's not the case. I do think that's the case. Watson was bad this year, though. I get it in the time that he was there. So maybe that could update, you know, your opinion on that. But, you know, Lamar wasn't great this year, this this year also. Um, And also when it comes to Jackson. So let's break down everything here. So we have the MVP year. Obviously, he was first in EPA per play that year in 2019. Just off the charts type of efficiency, matching any kind of top year from Mahomes or someone like that there. Uh, did it running the ball, but also extremely efficient passing the ball that year on a lower volume, but extremely efficient passing the ball. So we had that. So we're coming off of that there. Now, disappointing exit in the playoffs there, eventually to Tennessee, right? <laughs> yeah, to, to, to Tennessee there. So disappointing exit there. And I think the playoffs, I'm going to get back to this. I think that might be part of the the Jackson problem here too, as far as perception is concerned. Then 2020, he was 14th in EPA per play. Uh, 2021, 17th in EPA per play. He missed five games during that season. And then 2022, this last season, he came out like gangbusters at the beginning of the year and then faded over the rest of the year. 12th in adjusted EPA per play between Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. And again, missed five games with some questions about the, not the seriousness of the injury, but whether or not it met the threshold for not playing, especially not playing in the playoffs. So we have the MVP season. We have the unanimous MVP season. Um, We also have 14th, 17th, and 12th, the last three full seasons and again his rookie year he wasn't great but it was a we can throw that out a little bit because it was only about half a season and and rookie performance is tough Uh, but we still have in his full seasons in the NFL we have one MVP unanimous MVP number one efficiency season and we have three average-ish sort of seasons a little bit better than average-ish sort of seasons so I mean that that's context to Consider two of those three seasons uh, miss a significant amount of time. You know, you miss five games in a season, you're going to sink your playoff chances for most teams who don't, who, you know, teams who don't have that healthy, healthy sort of lead in order to get in, in the division. That's a consideration there. And then when it comes to the playoffs, and again, this is a small sample, this is not something that I would say I consider greatly in my analysis, but 
I think this is part of the Jackson perception. In the playoffs, I looked over the course of the last five years since Jackson's been in the league, and there are 18 quarterbacks who have at least 100 playoff dropbacks during that that period of time. Jackson being one of them. You know, he's over 200 dropbacks. Jackson is dead last in EPA per play during that period. Negative 0.4 EPA per play. So of all the quarterbacks who have gotten back to the playoffs multiple times, I mean, if we're talking about 100 dropbacks, we're talking about at least three games. I don't think anyone's, well, you can maybe get there in two games, but it'd be tough. But at least three games. So the types of quarterbacks who are getting there at least three times, um, Jackson's last in EPA per play there. I don't think it's a fair critique. I think it's, you know, whatever for him, it's, it's three, four, four games worth of work, but it's something that's going to hang out there when it comes to, uh, Lamar Jackson. So I guess my, my only recommendation for people not only, but one of my recommendations for people is all the collusion talk. Oh, why would teams be out? What is going on here? Um, I mean, if the Ravens are not willing to do a fully guaranteed contract and Jackson has stated many, many times, that's what he wants. It's been reported at least that that's what he stated that he wants. And there hasn't been pushback on that. Although Jackson doesn't have an agent to do that pushback. So the PR thing is going to be a little bit more difficult. Maybe even getting in contact with them and negotiating is going to be a little bit more difficult for other teams. Um, If there's some question, if there's any question as to whether or not he's worth it, the contract alone or being willing to give that contract. So now we're going to add two first round picks on top of it. And a friend of the pod, Ben Baldwin just had a recent tweet and I'm just going to, I'm just going to crib off of his valuations here rather than do it myself. And he says that he believes the two first round picks are worth anywhere between nine and 15 million per year over the next four years, as far as their value that you're going to get from those rookie contracts. So we're talking about Jackson wanting 50 million a year, wanting it fully guaranteed, and then saying we're going to be spending another 10 to 15 million of a loss in a way because of not having those draft picks. And if we're talking about the Falcons, if we're talking about the Panthers, we're talking about top 10 draft picks who could be a quarterback. And then if it's giving up the opportunity cost of a quarterback draft pick, I think the the potential APY that you're missing out on goes way up even beyond that 15 million a year. If the quarterback hits, of course, which we don't quite know. So that's part of it. Uh, Another thing is, if you wait until after the draft, if you're another team, my understanding is you can bid at that point. And when you lose two first round picks, it starts in 2024 for Lamar Jackson. And if that's the case, that pick would also be affected by how good you are with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. Now, would you want to keep on going and, you know, wait, get midway through the off season and then decide what you're going to do with quarterback and then make a move for Lamar Jackson? Do you want to have that? figured out more quickly at the beginning. I mean, ideally, but if you could say, you know, instead of giving up this number eight pick, if we are the, um, 
we're the Falcons or the number nine pick, if we're the Panthers, maybe we wait and see which quarterback is available. If there is a quarterback available, if there is a quarterback that we like available at that point, uh, if there isn't, maybe we move back. Maybe we draft a, you know, a blue chip talent at another position. And then after the draft, Hey, now let's go. Uh, let's go see what's going over in uh, Ravensville in uh, Lamar Jackson contract discussion time. Let's see what's happening over there. Um, let's make a deal now and bring Lamar Jackson in, you know, potentially have a winning record and then be giving up two picks in the future that are in the back half of the first round. That sounds pretty good. Um, also, if we get past draft day, it's my understanding, and some people had asked this in a Twitter question, it's my understanding that, yes, you do have to have your 2023 first-round pick if you want to make that deal prior to the draft. So if you don't have that, the Dolphins being a team that does not have that, um, I don't think you can make the deal at least before. I don't think you can even be in the market for him before the draft. Uh, you can't like negotiate around the two first round picks. You can't go to the Ravens and be like, hey, we'll give you two seconds and a whatever. No, it's just two first round picks. That's it. You can't, Ravens can't get more compensation also as part of this. This is it. If a team makes an offer, says they're willing to, uh, to to sign him, the Ravens can't go to them and say, okay, we won't match the offer if you throw in an extra whatever. It, it's my understanding. And again, I'm cribbing off of other people here, mostly uh, Jason Fitzgerald, who was on the pod a couple of weeks ago. And he wrote up a nice article on that. You should check that out over the cap.com, OTC. Um, you can't. You can't do it. So... Yeah, this, this is risky. This is risky for the Ravens. Um, but I do think it's not necessarily a bad move for them. I like the idea of not negotiating scared sometimes. And again, I think the Jones negotiation here was negotiating scared. Uh, I, I initially thought the Geno Smith negotiation was negotiating scared when we got those initial numbers, which were, you know, basically fraudulent numbers. Um, when the first insider to break something is Jordan Schultz, don't trust it. <laughs> don't, don't trust it. Cause then the other insiders are just, who knows? Maybe they're talking to Jordan Schultz they're, or they're talking to Gino's agent. And they're just like, we, we got to confirm this thing. We got to confirm it. Like, and they're just, they're just going to parrot whatever's already out there. And then we all get a whole bunch of misinformation. And we find out the next day that Gino's getting like, you know, 40 million uh, over, <laughs> over the next couple of years um, rather than getting uh, $35 million per year. So, like, don't negotiate scared. So I, I think this is maybe what the Ravens are going to do here. They say rather than capitulate to all these things, and whatever you say about guarantees or not guarantees, I, I'm not one of these, like, guys that NFL players should have guaranteed contracts. I mean, what, you negotiate it. They negotiated in the NBA. It's not like it's a, it's not written in stone that the NBA players should get guaranteed contract. It's not written anywhere in any sport that you have to get guaranteed contracts. It's just what the, you know, what the market will bear. Certain players, certain sports, 
you don't have the same sort of reliability the further they go into their careers. Um, and that's probably a little bit more of an issue when, even when it comes to Jackson versus other quarterbacks. Of course, in the NFL is the extra problem of having to escrow and put all that money into escrow. So I think that's also going to be a big problem as part of this negotiation comes through. Uh, Jimmy Haslam is not like super rich, like the Waltons who just bought the Walton dude who just bought uh, the Broncos or uh, Tepper. I mean, he's in the neighborhood of Tepper, I think, but he's not really as rich as Tepper and the Panthers or um, why is the name escaping me of the Rams guy? But he owns a bunch of different franchises, but he's rich. He's married to a Walton. So, so that, that helps. It's even, even through, uh, through his spouse, he's, he's got even more wealth there. Cronky. Um, so he doesn't have that type of, a lot of teams don't have that type of money. Um, Mark Davis does not have that type of money sitting around. I mean, finances and cash flow was part of the problem, I think, when it came to the Khalil Mack situation years ago. And they they had to dump a bunch of money into their new uh, stadium. Does he want to go and escrow $300 million? I I know a lot of people responded to me on Twitter, which, of course, you're getting the crazy responses. But a lot of people responded, well, you can just go borrow money. Yeah, I mean, you can borrow money, but, you know, it's not great to borrow hundreds of millions of dollars. You got to pay something called interest on that. You have your, your, your team is levered up. If you have other cash flow problems, you know, you don't want to eventually end up losing your team because you can't like pay back these loans. I don't think it's a big issue when the NFL, but you never know what can happen. It's not as easy as just flipping a switch. So there are a lot of teams with that. I mean, maybe Arthur blank in the, in uh, Atlanta is like, you know, I kind of like this. 100 million liquidity that I have right now. I don't want to have to go raise another 200 million in liquidity and put it all in the bank somewhere in order to sign Lamar Jackson. That is going to be an issue. And that's the type of feedback I think that the Ravens are hoping that Lamar Jackson is going to get um, as part of this conversation. All right. Um, yeah, if you guys want to drop any questions in there, go ahead and do so. I'm going to look through here to see if you guys had anything on here. And then and then I'll start talking about the... Uh, some of the other contracts that go here. Okay, here's a Q&A. Uh, is Lamar representing himself and not having an agent part of the equation? Lamar having to negotiate himself with other teams might be trickier than having an agency. Yeah, I mean, I think it is trickier. I think it's just, A, like, who, who are you talking to on this? Um, are you getting feedback? Is he is he willing to sit down with people? Um there's a lot of stuff that probably goes into that. Now, I don't think it's the most complicated necessarily negotiation, but if Lamar is saying, this is my demand, and that's it, the fully guaranteed contract, um, it's probably going to come off differently than if he told his agent, listen, this is all, I'll, this is all I'll do. This is fully guaranteed deal. And his agent would say, okay, okay, well, well, we'll let him know that. But then he would go and talk with him much more about it um really get the offer try to you know try to influence his client a little bit if he felt like it was necessary to get a deal done i mean those agents want to cash checks you know they, they want to cash their 10 percent or whatever they're going to get on those checks too so they're motivated and incentivized to even bring lamar a little bit closer to what the ravens would be so i think generally uh, yeah, it, it's conducive to getting a deal done because you have a broker in the middle who wants to see it get done. 
coming from the side of of the player also. Um, do you have anything else in the Q&A side? So say, okay. It says, what other kinds of unique contracts do you think could work to satisfy both Lamar and the team? An ownership stake, some kind of rolling player option, uh, option opt-out? Um, it's a good question. I mean, a lot of these contracts have tons of rolling guarantees, and that's how the teams avoid having to escrow the money. But de facto, the guarantees are there. I mean, for instance, let me bring up uh, Kyler's contract here. So if we go over like what they did with Kyler here, um, another contract that really looks not so hot a year after it's been signed. So if you look at Kyler's contract, and this is how they did it. Um, and again, this is probably something that could help if if Lamar had an agent versus he's like, I want a fully guaranteed, 100% guaranteed Deshaun Watson contract. And they say, oh, we, we can do these other things we can structure. And Lamar might just say, you know what, like, just give me what I'm asking for. I don't want to do all this, you know, trickery with the contract. But it's trickery that works, I think, for the most part when it comes to the player. Uh, when we look at Kyler Murray and what happened on here, so it's $100 million in fully guaranteed money. But then on top of that, if you start looking in these future years, what happens is in – 2024 March 22nd of 2024 the 2025 salary of 18 million and the roster bonus of 12 million both become guaranteed for 2025 so it makes it like you're paying him all of his money in 2025 no matter what so you'd have to cut him you'd have to lose the all the guaranteed money you've already you've already put into 2024 that's the only way you could get out of the deal and you'd be, you know, underwater by like, you'd lose $30 million on the cap and you take an $81 million cap hit. So no team is doing that. Then when you roll into 2025, everything's already guaranteed in 2025 before you even get into the year. Then on March 22nd of 2025, $36.8 million of the 2026 salary becomes guaranteed. Very early in the 2025 offseason. You have guarantees there. So you have to cut them before that, and then you're paying out everything for 2025. You're just giving them all of that money and then some for 2025 and getting zero player production out of that. So that almost ensures the fact that you can't cut him in the 2025 season. And then in 2026, the same thing early in the year, his 2027 base salary becomes guaranteed. Now it becomes like, well, okay, that's 19.5 million. So if you wanted to cut him at the very beginning of 2026, you lose out on 30 something million and then you lose out on another 20 million. So you'd be losing out on almost 50 million. I mean, maybe if you want to take a 50 million charge, that would be the first time you could potentially get out of it in 2026. Uh, But even then it's pretty hard. So anyway, I'm just saying all of these guarantees that I'm talking about that are being added on. So we're talking about, uh, what is this? 30 million one year, 40 million another year. So 70 and then an additional 20 million. So you have about 90 million more in guarantees on top of the 103 million that are almost impossible for the team to get out of, for the Cardinals to get out of. So yeah, he got a $230 million contract and only 100 million was guaranteed, fully guaranteed. So you but you add in the the fact that 
you really have de facto guarantees on another 90 million. So now we're talking about close to 200 million of the 230 million is, is guaranteed for Kyler here. And I think that's the type of contract that the Ravens would be willing to do and want to do. You know, you're really only risking unless something catastrophic happens. And maybe that's, you know, that's the problem. That's the rub. A lot of these times here, something catastrophic happens with the player. Maybe the team would be willing to just take an $80 million cap hit and, you know, blow everything up and move on. So that could happen. That does put that money at risk, but in like 95% of scenarios or more, Kyler Murray is going to see $200 million of this contract. Um, even if it's only a hundred million of real total guarantees. So it's that type of deal. And there's like ins and outs of this again, like every year there's, you're negotiating, okay, what what time in the off season, what's going to happen? What's a roster bonus versus what isn't? Um, how much is being guaranteed? Are you going to guarantee two years in advance on these rolling guarantees versus one year in advance? It's a lot of different things to negotiate, a lot more difficult to negotiate than give me a, $250 million contract and make it completely guaranteed. So I do think it's going to be difficult. Um, and when it comes to the collusion side that everyone's running with here, and this is like just your typical social media, Twitter thing that it's like, Oh God, like there's no better way to get engagement than to claim that there's like a vast conspiracy, whether it's the NFL referees or Roger Goodell or whoever is going on here. Um, is there collusion? No, I don't think so. I don't think this, this is what's happening in this sort of circumstance between these teams. It's like, why did teams come out with this so quickly? Um, I think a big part of that is probably the, like, the combine just happened. All these conversations have been happening. The talk of the town has been what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. I think every team kind of already knew what its plan or its contingency plan was going to be if Lamar Jackson did not get the exclusive tag because there was rumblings about that. There was reporting about that. Um, the Ravens did not say we're exclusively franchise tagging. They said, we're going to look at all our different options. So I think because of that, every team had internally discussed it and had, you know, go ahead and, and went out there and told people what they thought. And also I'll say again, when it comes to this thing of maybe they'll change their tune after the draft, when there's a little bit different compensation for the draft, but even beyond that, I mean, what motivation does a team have to say, like, yes, I'm all in on Lamar Jackson? You're just only raising your own price in a way. You don't want to make it look like a frenzy is going on here when that's happening. So will the tune change in a couple of weeks and two weeks and other things for a lot of these teams? It possibly could. I would, I would just tamp down on the collusion talk or anything else talk. Yeah. I mean, the NFL doesn't want to give out guaranteed contracts is because, you know, they don't want to do it. I mean, the Browns were willing to do it. I don't know why. No, these other teams weren't willing to do it. We, we don't know if any team in the NFL is willing to do it other than the Browns this one time. So because the Browns did something one time, for a player, again, who I believe from a pure football perspective was was valued more highly than Lamar Jackson, that doesn't mean that, like, one other team will be willing to do it. It's like it's like the musical chair situation I described someone in the offseason with quarterbacks. Um, there's a big difference between one chair being there for you 
or two chairs being there for you and the negotiations and the bidding that goes on there than when there are zero chairs there for you. And there may be zero fully guaranteed contract chairs left. The Browns might have been the only chair where that happens. So just because the Browns are willing to do it doesn't mean anyone else was willing to do it necessarily. Um, and yeah, I mean, people people were upset that the Browns did it because to them it seemed like a rash, foolish sort of move, a desperation move, and maybe it was. Um, and it affects their business. So yeah, that, they don't want that to become the the guarantee. It's funny that there's not as much yelling about the Kirk Cousins deal because I think it's a little shorter term deal and it wasn't a, a big, huge thing like that. Um, as far as how upset the other teams were about it, I mean, we know that the Ravens owner himself is upset about it in a way the Browns kind of helped, you know, stick it to the Ravens also for the fact that by keeping Watson at this big number, which he's at 54 million right now for the season and not restructuring it, they will restructure it eventually, but by not restructuring it now at this point, um, it still goes into that calculation for the fact that the exclusive tag and the non-exclusive tag, exclusive tag in particular, moving that up based upon the top five contracts and making it that huge, huge, huge amount. So uh, the Browns kind of stuck it to him a little bit there by not uh, renegotiating too quickly on that. All right. These are my initial Lamar Jackson thoughts. As I mentioned, I'm actually not going to get into the quarterbacks. I'll talk about more of that stuff with, with Brad uh, Spiegelberger on Friday. We'll go into everything about quarterbacks, everything about free agency next time. Um, and then I'll have other guests lined up for the rest of the offseason. So I did my free agency pieces already. If you're a subscriber on Unexpected Points, you've seen those. Um, you saw all the combine stuff I put out. I'm working on wide receiver and running back. It's more fantasy related, but it can also refer to the NFL related projections based upon different uh, metrics for production and getting updated information from Benjamin Robinson and grinding the mocks on their assumed draft position, which I'll build into everything. So all that's coming the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of stuff. I try to like not moderate it somewhat when I'm dropping like these pieces on the weekend. I don't necessarily want to hit you every single day with a new thought, although I could um, on a new thought there. And then I'll continue to maybe do some of these solo impromptu type of podcasts to articulate some thoughts about some of the more topical stuff um, that I'm not necessarily going to write up every single time that it ends up happening, the, the news of the day type of stuff. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me. I want to make sure I have my email right for the for the podcast email. It is email me at unexpected points, but it's PTS is the email address. So it's not um, points spelled out. It's just unexpectedpts at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Kevin Cole triple underscore. Uh, otherwise, I appreciate everyone tuning in and I'll be talking at everyone. Next week.